There is one rule that everyone is obligated to follow, which is nobody's allowed to have a problem. Uh, so no matter what happens, you're not allowed to relate to it as a problem. And even if you start relating to it as a problem, you're not allowed to relate to that as a problem, and on and on and on. So what that means is you, know, you have to think about what does it mean to have a problem? A problem means that there's something that isn't the way it should be. So if there's something that isn't the way it should be, then you've got a problem because it should be this way and it's not this way. I have a problem. And then what you have to do is you have to try to manipulate your experience so that you can make it what it should be. And the whole point of these five days is going to be that there is no way it should be other than the way it is. And the way it is is the way it is. Whether you like it or not is irrelevant. Whether you want it to continue that way is a different question. You don't have to want it to continue the way it is. But you can't want it to be other than the way it is because that's impossible. No matter how hard you try and no matter how much energy you expend, no matter how powerful you are, you cannot make things other than the way they are because they are the way they are, and that's it. The amount of human energy that we waste trying to do the impossible, which is make things other than the way they are, could be much better spent doing other things. And part of what I'm hoping to convey to you is the profound depth of freedom that can be found just by learning how to stop struggling against the way things are. When you really start to taste what's possible there, then you'll start to feel how much of your attention and energy and awareness becomes free because you hadn't realized how much of it was being consumed at levels that are often unconscious to us with a struggle against the way things are and a habit of uh, constantly trying to make things the way they should be. Which, of course, gets very, can get very interesting and humorous almost when you start to ask yourself why you think you know the way things should be that somehow better than the person who created all this, whoever that was. The person who, the person, energy, or intelligence that generated this entire reality somehow hadn't consulted you about the way it should be. <laughs> and even though you wouldn't have the foggiest idea how to create a reality like this, you still think you know how it should be. And you can kind of have a good laugh with yourself and let go and relax. So this is especially true in meditation, in the practice that we'll be doing, to not have a problem with whatever happens. I also want you to just experiment with it in life when someone annoys you or whatever is going to inevitably happen at some point or another or when something I say really bothers you or when something that arises in your awareness starts to bother you. Just to not make a problem out of it to see it as just an unfolding and then see what happens next. The posture to adopt is always, I wonder where this is going to go. Ooh, this is interesting. I'm feeling... Comp I, I remember being on a retreat once where 
I was so angry, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. And my heart was beating. I was just purely enraged because I just felt like, you know, I had just gotten into this story about how I was being messed with on, on the retreat. And so I was in a rage, and I thought, wow. At one point, I thought, maybe I should tell somebody, because I might just have a heart attack and pop, and that would be the end. You know, it would be a horrible ending to this retreat. You know, but I kept just going, okay, this is just what's happening. Let's see what happens. And, of course, that eventually shifted into something else. And and I was very happy that I hadn't freaked out and said the things I was thinking. (laughs) I've never said those things. So, you know, anything can happen emotionally. Just don't relate to it as a problem. Uh, And primarily what we will do is practice meditation according to the instructions of have no problem. And so no matter what happens, you won't make a problem out of it. And this is a journey. You know, so you start, it seems pretty simple, but it's actually harder than it seems. It's harder than it initially appears. But then you keep going. You, know, you go through this very interesting journey where first it sounds totally simple, no problem. Then a little while later it's like, oh my this is really pissing me off. <laughs> but then if you go far enough, you start to realize, not only is this simple, but actually, I can't even remember how, how to have a problem. I don't even know where I thought the problem was. And at that point, you, you have a hard time knowing whether you're meditating or not meditating. You don't actually know what meditation is anymore. Because, of course, you're going to let everything be as it is. Because that's the way it always was anyway. And that's the way it always will be. And all I'm doing is nothing. So the only thing that makes this meditation is me thinking I'm meditating versus the rest of my life when I'm doing exactly the same thing and not thinking I'm meditating. And at that point, the meditation gets really interesting. (laughs) It's really not going to matter at all whether you've meditated a lot or a little. It really literally won't matter at all because the instructions are so simple it's impossible not to be able to follow them. And after that, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So experienced meditators will have one experience. Someone who's never meditated before will have a different experience. But in the end, it's all just experience anyway. So it doesn't really matter. So what we're going to do is an initial meditation of the practice of no problem. And what will happen is I'll ring the bell And the trick is, as soon as I ring the bell, from that moment until you hear the bell again, there's nothing can be a problem. That means whatever happens, it's fine. Another way to talk about this is the practice of intentional contentment, which can be much more difficult than it sounds. But you're just intentionally going to decide that you're going to be content with whatever happens, uh, which we can often find difficult. So we're going to do a short meditation. I'm going to ring the bell. As soon as the bell rings, whatever your experience is, don't make a problem out of it. No matter what you think, no matter what you feel, no matter what happens, don't make a problem out of it. And as soon as you hear the bell the second time, then you can end. You can make a problem then. But this is the tricky part of the rule. You can't make a problem out of anything that happened in the middle of the two bells because that's the problem-free zone. 
So this is what people will do in meditation. They'll sit and have no problem while they're meditating. But then later they'll go back and do the recap. And in the recap, they'll make it all sound like it was a big problem. You're not allowed to do that. It has to be left just what it was. And which is really, all of these things are philosophically fascinating. Because what does that mean? If you just sit there and you don't do anything, and then later you don't even get to go back and look at it to figure out what happened, what's the value of this time that doesn't exist that you're going to pretend didn't happen? You know, and then the interesting thing is the fact that you're pretending it didn't happen is what makes it valuable, right? Because it's, it's like, ooh, that's going to be the time when I'm not in control. What I'm actually doing is I'm getting used to not being in control. I'm, I'm allowing myself to get acclimated to the fact that I don't actually run everything. And then what happens is you start to feel insecurity arise. And you go, whoa, I really should go back and look and see what happened uh, but I'm, I'm going to just really suggest that you don't do that. And then you'll see the certain amount of insecurity arises. You feel like you should be drawing conclusions. You know, you, then this, you, one of the things you start to get angry about is you, you just think, this isn't working. I'm not going to learn anything. I'm just sitting here. This is useless. <laughs> but just let that be. That's fine. That's also not to have a problem about. You just keep letting it go and then keep watching what unfolds. So it's always good to sit up straight. You know, in a way that's comfortable. I don't really believe in extra points for pain. <laughs> Although I did a lot of meditation where I got extra points. I thought I was getting extra points for pain. In the end, I don't think I got anything for it except pain. <laughs> but So you're going to hear the bell, and then you're going to have no problem, and then we're going to meditate for a little while, and then I'm going to ring in again, and then that'll be the end. Okay, how'd you do? (laughs) It's good to start short. So the reality is, there's no reason why it would ever have to be harder than that. Right? Because the only reason that was easy is because you didn't actually have time to think that you had a problem. (laughs) Right? The only thing that's going to happen if you go longer is your mind is going to start making a problem out of things. Right? Which is what minds do. They go, "Mm, I wonder if I'm doing it right. boring. Nothing's happening. Shouldn't something be happening? I don't think this is right. This is not. And so that's all that's going to happen is the habit of identifying a problem self-talk will start to be generated. It's easier at the beginning. Uh, that's just my mind. Da, 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 da. Then at some point, you know, he might have a point. This really isn't happening. <laughs> and then, so then some very interesting shift happens, which is the shift we're going to try to learn to avoid, which is there's self-talk which is your mind going, I think this is a problem, blah, 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 blah. And then there's you ignoring it, which is, that's good. That's the meditation, blah, blah, blah. It's like a television that just happens to be on in the room and you're just not listening, da, 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 it's not really. But that point when you start to say, maybe he's right. You see, something very interesting happened because it went from self-talk to you talking. And that's the whole thing that we're going to try to understand is, What's the voice that we think is us? And eventually realizing that there is no voice in there that's actually you. They're all voices. And you are always the one who hears the voice. You're never the one speaking. And that's what allows meditation to liberate you from the mind, from the inner chatter of the mind. 
what keeps you identified with the mind is the fact that you think it's you talking to yourself. What frees you is when you realize that's just all mind in there. All those words are mind. They're all just some habitual ways of thinking, talking to me to try to convince me that they're right. And if they convince me, then I start engaging in the conversation as if I'm also in there speaking. If you can avoid it, you can watch the whole thing happen, and you're just sitting. And then this, this voice is going, you know, this isn't working, this isn't working. And then some other voice starts going, yeah, I think he might be right. And then some other voice says, I think we should try this. And none of them are you. They're all just voices. Pretty soon you've got a whole, like, orchestra in there, and everybody's got their own opinion, and you just let them be, which is the beginning of something amazing because the longer you let the voices be without identifying with them, the less interesting they become because eventually you start thinking, well, they're just yakking in there. And if you start to become uninterested in them, then something very powerful happens, which is you stop paying attention to them. They, sort of, they start to fade back. And then when you're no longer paying attention to those voices, where does your attention go? All of a sudden you start to say, hey, there's other things to pay attention to besides all of this inner talk. And things start opening up. You start realizing there's a lot more to your experience than you were aware of because you were very fixated on one particular part of it that seemed very troublesome. And, and so then the journey begins, which is the journey of your expanding awareness that just starts to go. And it doesn't just move around. It actually just kind of expands out. And the little voices start falling further and further behind. And then from there, you don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's all a journey. It's all, I don't have any idea what's going to happen or why what happens happens. But we find a kind of liberation from the normal places that we, that our attention is glued to. We start to discover that our whole world is contained in those voices, that those voices are dictating everything to us. They're telling us everything about everything, about everything, about everything, they're telling us who we are. They're telling us what's possible for us. They're telling us about how the world is. They're, they're just interpreting everything. And we, we start to see that, that those interpretations are what we're experiencing as reality. And when we let go of all the interpretations, we start to get closer and closer to a direct contact with something that's unimaginable, that hasn't been conceptualized yet and hasn't been understood and so we have the opportunity to enter into possibilities beyond what we can imagine, which to me is the whole point. I am very happy that reality isn't limited by my imagination. Because I'm fairly imaginative, but if really that was the extent of the entire universe, I'd rather go to a different one. <laughs> It's not that interesting. So when you realize that actually what I can imagine is just nothing, it's just really small compared to what the possibility is, then this becomes a very exciting place. It's very difficult 
to follow these simple instructions to have no problem without turning them into something else that's closely related to but not quite not having a problem. And usually the thing that we turn it into is remembering that we're not having a problem. So that, you know, so, and meditation in general, more often than not, no matter what instructions you're following, becomes a practice of remembering that you're meditating. And so the, the basic storyline tends to be you're doing whatever you're doing. So in this case, it's having no problem. In some other case, it might be following the breath or whatever. You know? And then at some point, a thought train takes you and it's da -da -da, blah, 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 blah. And then you start going over here. It could be something as innocuous as planning tomorrow's morning or, or, or getting into, a, into an imagined argument with a friend that continues the argument you were having last week, or whatever it might be. And then at some point, you remember that you're meditating, and then you have that like moment of panic. <gasps> and then you go, got it back. I got to have no problem. I got to have no problem. You know, I got to remember to do what I'm doing, remember to do what I'm doing. But the instruction doesn't say do that. That's, you added that instruction. Because if I wanted you to do that, then I would say sit and have no problem, and then if you find yourself in a thought stream, panic, and then rush back <laughs> to having no problem. But I don't want you to do that. <laughs> I want you to just have no problem. So that means if you get lost in a thought stream, and then over here, you realize you're thinking, and then you have a panic, <gasps> which that you can't control, it just happens. It's all part of the I'm trying to do it right consciousness. Then you have a <gasps> But then at that point, you don't have to go back to anything. You just see what happens next. See, we always, we always retract too soon. It's kind of like, I'm hoping that you're all going to fly. And to fly, that means if you start to realize that you're, that you're like lifting off, don't grab the ground again. You know, but that's what we tend to do in meditation. You start going somewhere, and then you realize, and you panic, <gasps> and then you grab the ground. OK, back to the And then you, you know, even if we sat for an hour, probably about five minutes before the end at best, maybe a minute before the end. You would have done that the last time. And then you'll feel like, oh, I hardly got started. But if you don't do that, then you just have a panic. <gasps> at that point, you really don't need to do anything because now you're no longer lost in thought. You actually are found then. That's exactly the perfect time not to do anything. And then what's going to happen next? You know, and you just let yourself go. And then you'll keep going. and probably you'll get lost in another thought. I mean, I've been meditating for 25 years fairly consistently, and I'm getting lost in thoughts all the time. I used to think it was going to stop. It's pretty much not going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe one of you is going to be lucky, but it's not going to stop for me, I'm pretty sure at this point. So then you get lost, and then you panic, <gasps> and you just let it go. <gasps> and then eventually, you stop panicking, because you realize, oh, I'm just going to let it go anyway. And, and then, after you stop panicking, what happens is you just start, you, you go in a thought, you realize you're in a thought, you go in another thought, you realize you're in a thought, you're totally present, you're in a thought, and you go, oh, well, this is just what it feels like to be human. Sometimes I'm totally present, sometimes I'm in a thought, then I'm totally present, then I'm in a thought, and you just let that be, just let that go. And, and like I said, if you keep letting that go, and you know you're going to let it go, you actually stop being as interested in the thoughts. And you stop being more interested in something else that, that you start to feel coming through the cracks. And, you, and then 
The beautiful thing about this kind of growth is it's very natural. The beautiful thing about growth, period, is it's natural. It's not actually something you do. It's something that happens. You can build things and you can construct things. And if you want to build something, putting more energy into it really helps. But you don't grow things. Things grow. You don't help a plant to grow by pulling on it. You know, that's not helpful. You just go, oh, grow faster. Oh. <laughs> you stop growth by doing that kind of thing. What you do is you keep nurturing it with what it needs. So what's the growth, the kind of growth that we're working on? What it needs is calm, attentive willingness. That's really all it needs. You, know, you can't get too excited, and, but it needs, it needs attention. You need to be attentive, and you need to be willing to go wherever it's going to take you. The moment you're preparing for is the moment where you start to get lifted so that you can glide through that little recoil that inevitably happens. And these little like thought trains and then you realize you're not meditating, they're like little baby recoils. They're like, that's just the warm up that gets you ready. The big recoil is when your whole sense of identity starts to disappear. And you start to feel like, oh my God, I don't know who I am. And then you get it, it's not a little like, oh, it's a oh. <laughs> but you know, if you just relax into that and be available, then you see what's gonna happen next. Where are you gonna go? Who are you gonna be when you let yourself not be the person that you think you are? You know, which is usually the person that's, to some extent, driving us nuts in the first place anyway. That we're, you know, we're always often thinking, I'm a lot more than what I think I am. But the moment where it all starts to be possible, we, we panic and then go back to who we think we are because we're losing track. This is the great thing. See, I actually really love meditation. I really want to give you permission to lose track. The whole point is just lose track. Lose track of who you are. Lose track of what you're doing. Just let yourself lose track. We never get to lose track. You know, we're always tracking everything and making sure and analyzing and keeping track and knowing where we are. You know, that kind of constant, it's like, you know, I kind of picture it as the old-fashioned navigators and ships. You know, they had all their maps out, and then every day they'd make a measurement, and they'd throw logs in the water to see how far they might have gone, and they'll try and measure it. We're here. Now we're here. And I mean, it was good they did that. But that's kind of how we run our lives, too. We're always tracking ourselves. Where have I been? Where am I now? Where am I going? Am I still on track? Am I off track? Am I on track? That's really great. That's a really powerful operating system if you're trying to get to some place you already know. Because then you make a plan and you follow it to here. But if you're trying to be available for something beyond what you imagine, it's not a useful plan. Because it's always going to keep you limited to what you can know and imagine. So you want to just let yourself lose track. Let yourself not know. Maybe something miraculous is going to happen. Maybe you're going to lose track of yourself to an extent that you discover you're not who you thought you were. And maybe you're going to discover that you're someone or something beyond what you ever imagined. That would be the ideal. Do I trust reality? I mean, that's the question that can short-circuit the whole process because this whole way of meditating can only be done when you learn to trust reality. It's all about learning to trust reality. 
Because if you don't trust reality, you're not going to give up control. You know, the whole meditation is about giving up control and trusting that if you do give up some control, something better than what you could do is going to happen. And most of us at very deep existential levels aren't totally sure about that. We like life's good, but I see a lot of bad stuff going on here, and I don't really want any of that. So I'm going to sort of let things go, but I'm going to kind of keep my hand on the steering wheel just in case. Uh, but if you can really learn to trust reality, if you can really come to a place where you just feel like, wow, there's something really amazing going on here, and I can trust it. I can let go. I don't have to control this whole process. And then that's when you can really start to open up. That's when you can really start to forget about and lose track of, because you, you don't need to keep track, because you're not going to be in control. But it, it can't happen unless you authentically come to a place where you recognize that there's something occurring in reality that's trustworthy. And it's a huge moment for a person. And it's a huge moment when you realize that there's something beautiful about existence. There's something incredible about being here. This is a blessing. This isn't a problem. This is amazing that, that we're here, that we're embodied, that we're able to interact like this, that we're able to explore our experience, that we're able to care for each other and love each other and, and embrace the, the, exist, the, the experience of existence. I mean, when it starts to really dawn on you how lucky you are to be here, you think, why did I think there was a problem? I'm, I'm a miracle. This whole life is a miracle. I have no idea even how I got here and why I was given this opportunity or who I really am. And I'm making a problem out of it. <laughs> it's, it's kind of amazing, really. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like you're living in, the mirror, in an ongoing miracle where you know, you're in a kind of existence that you couldn't possibly recreate at any cost. And in the midst of that unimaginable mystery, you're picking out the few things you don't like and making a big problem out of them. It, it feels like, wow, there's something else much bigger going on. You know, how ready to trust existence are you? You know, you can put that question a lot of different ways. But I'm telling you, you can make this journey a lot shorter by coming to, that, to the answer to that question. And, and it doesn't matter if the answer is I don't. It's not about pretending to trust reality. I can guarantee you that doesn't help. <laughs> you know, but you want to really be in an inquiry. Do I trust? Do I trust existence? And if you think, no, I don't, then you want, well, why not? What is it about my experience of embodiment that has proven to me that, that reality is not trustworthy? And then you may identify things. Usually they're going to be things that happened that were damaging, harmful, hurtful. But then you have to ask yourself, if the existence of those things, as bad as they were, necessarily mean existence isn't trustworthy? Is existence only trustworthy if nothing bad ever happens? Or is existence trustworthy in spite of the fact that bad things do happen? And just keep, you know, that's not really a question that you're necessarily going to come to an answer with tonight. But the deeper you can go into it, the more powerful will be the foundation for the meditation we're going to do. Because we've all 
taken the time out to explore the power of meditation and particularly to explore the power of this practice of meditation. Uh, and this kind of inquiry right from the start is going to create a lot of powerful, uh, firm footing for you to keep venturing out on. <laughs>